Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Podcast One. We hope you'll support our sponsors who bring you these podcasts absolutely free and with limited interruptions. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this show, which will get started in just a second. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Eddie Trunk, and you are listening to another edition of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, which is new every Thursday on PodcastOne.com and iTunes, coming to you from the roof of the Chamberlain Hotel in West Hollywood, California this week. I'm out here because Stone Temple Pilots um, are doing their first ever concert with their new singer the night that I'm recording this, which is Tuesday. You guys are hearing it on post day, which is Thursday. And I had the uh, incredible honor of doing the first ever interview with the new lineup of Stone Temple Pilots to announce who their new lead singer is. By now, you guys know it's a guy by the name of Jeff Goot. And they just played their first show with him, which was at the Troubadour that I had a chance to attend this past Tuesday in L.A. Um, At the time I'm recording this, I didn't see the show yet, so I'd be lying to you if I told you how it was. But uh, I will tell you about it next week or, of course, on the radio show as well. So I recorded yesterday. And again, I'm doing this on the Tuesday before this post. So yesterday I recorded a special with Stone Temple Pilots where we revealed for Sirius XM the new singer. I think a lot of people probably thought this guy was going to be from an established band or from a a big name or something like that. And obviously by now you know he's not. He was an X Factor contestant at one point. I met him. I interviewed him. Hopefully you heard that special on Sirius XM. Seems like a real nice guy. Seems like a good fit for the band. I did hear music that they made with him and it sounded really good. And uh, the DeLeo brothers are are good friends as is Eric Eric Kretz. Great guy as well. Really good guys in Stone Temple Pilots. And they've been through so much. Two singers dying and and trying to just kind of you know so many great so much great music they're trying to keep alive and what's really important to them is they want to have their new music be as good as the old music a lot of the what went into them deciding who the new singer was going to be is uh is derived by the fact of how things work with them as far as making new music and the creative aspects of writing music. So that's a big reason why they picked this guy as well. Interestingly enough, he was telling me that he's way more into playing guitar than he is being a singer and a frontman. So that's kind of interesting. It's kind of like Miles Kennedy in Alterbridge, same deal. He's a kind of a reluctant lead singer when he sings just when he just sings which he does in Slash's band because Miles will be the one, first one to tell you he's way more into guitar and that was his thing. He just so happens to be blessed with this incredible voice. So I don't think Jeff is going to play guitar in STP. It's kind of built as a one guitar band, but he's apparently quite an accomplished guitarist, but he is their new singer. I wish those guys nothing but the best. I'll tell you about what the live show was like when I have a chance to uh, check it out. If you have Sirius XM, they're going to air the entire show from the Troubadour tomorrow on a couple different channels, including Howard 101. So you'll be able to hear it. And if you go on demand, you'll be able to hear my uh, interview, the first interview and, and 
the interview that revealed to the world who the new singer was. And I really appreciate those guys asking me to do so many cool things with them. I did the 25th anniversary of CORE for them. And now uh, having this opportunity has been really cool, and I, I really enjoyed it. So thanks to STP and nothing but the best for them going forward with Jeff Goot, their new lead singer, which was revealed exclusively on uh, a special that I did with those guys that premiered this past Tuesday night on Sirius XM. So uh, that's what I'm out here in L.A. for. At the time you hear this on Thursday, I'll be back in Jersey and New York and finishing out a week of radio. As far as upcoming appearances are concerned, you'll be able to catch me at uh, in Tulsa on December 1st, the IDL Ballroom, hosting Lita Ford and Jack Russell's Great White. Matter of fact, Lita was on my radio show the other day. Some really interesting discussion about her book and the whole thing with Tony Iommi. I hope you had a chance to hear that interview. So I'll be in Tulsa on the 1st, then on the 2nd I run over to Southern California again at the uh, Canyon Club in Agora Hills, hosting a show there on that Saturday night, Frontiers Records Holiday Party, featuring L.A. Guns, Warrant, Jack Russell's Great White, and also River Dogs. And then after that, it's uh, Dallas, December 16th, The Bomb Factory for the Holiday Christmas show there with Ace Freely, L.A. Guns, and more. And that's pretty much, well, there might be something added any second in Houston, actually. So keep an eye on my website, as usual, all my appearances as they come in on the homepage of eddytrunk.com. So have a look at that. There might be an additional thing added in mid-December in Houston. I just don't have confirmation on it at the time I'm doing this. So I'll keep you posted through the website, Twitter at Eddie Trunk, Instagram at Eddie Trunk, Facebook fan page at Eddie Trunk. As I always say, Twitter, where I would be the most active and most up to the second with my information. Uh, speaking of Sirius XM, the Bruce Dickinson interview that I did a couple weeks ago. Of course, Bruce Dickinson from Iron Maiden making the rounds, promoting his autobiography, What Does This Button Do? And a fun read. I got to skim through some of it. Bruce came by and we did a really cool interview where we talked about a lot of stuff. It was also broadcast on Facebook Live and it was a great conversation with Bruce and that's what I have for you is this week's interview. A lot of um, interesting sort of news was made out of this. One of the bigger things that people talked about was the fact that the uh, the interview with Bruce, he uh, he talked about the three tremors thing and how that was originally supposed to be Ronnie James Dio instead of Jeff Tate. Talked about the air raid siren thing and how a fan actually gave him that name. It was kind of a diss on him. So there's some fun stuff in here and uh, Bruce obviously uh, pushing this autobiography and you know the next phase of Maiden which has just been announced as well by the way speaking of Maiden the Monsters of Rock Cruise is coming up Steve Harris is doing his band British Lion on the cruise I'm definitely going to be broadcasting my Sirius XM show from two possibly three cruises definitely Cruise to the Edge definitely the Monsters of Rock Cruise and possibly one other the Moody Blues Cruise is looking good too so I'll be on board a bunch of ships coming up in the new year uh, bringing you my radio show on Sirius XM Trunk Nation which can be heard every day live 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, replay 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern, and on demand as well on the SiriusXM app, of course over the air across America and Canada on channel 106. And as usual, the interviews you hear on the Eddie Trunk podcast originate from the radio show, and you're just getting a small, small sample of what I do on a daily basis on the uh, on the radio show. So hope if you don't have Sirius XM, hope you come on board and join me. So great to be here again in Southern California. Um, and just uh, getting a little break to be able to set this podcast up for you for the week. And I'm going to kind of get out of the way quickly this week so that we can get to the Bruce Dickinson interview. And um, let's do that right now, as a matter of fact. So take a break. We'll come back. And the leader and voice of Iron Maiden, Bruce Dickinson, he joins me on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Stick around. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey guys, let me tell you about True Car because uh, I've been telling you about it for a while and it really is a tremendous service because when you're looking to buy a car, you want to make sure that you're getting real pricing on actual inventory. And unfortunately, a lot of times this just isn't the case. You see, people can figure cars online only to find out later that the cars aren't available. With True Car, you get real pricing on actual inventory. It's not pricing offered by True Car, but pricing offered by an actual dealer. And not just any dealer, but a True Car certified dealer. 
This is a carefully curated network of dealers committed to transparency and offering you a competitive market price. Using TrueCar, you can easily find the car you want. Next, TrueCar will allow you to uh, see what other people paid for the same car. How helpful is that? And that is a big, big plus. And now you have fair pricing, and you can feel confident about that pricing. Over 3 million cars have been sold to TrueCar by the TrueCar Certified Dealer Network, and there's over 13. 15,000 True Car Certified Dealers nationwide. You'll work directly with a True Car Certified Dealer, and that is a big, big plus because True Car users, well, they're more likely to enjoy a faster buying process when they connect with True Car Certified Dealers. You ready for this? True Car users, they save an average of over 3,000 bucks off MSRP. Who doesn't want 3,000 bucks saved, right? So when you're ready to buy, Visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. Do you want to be great at reading body language, developing persuasion and influence, as well as master rapport and social interaction? What if I told you that you would learn from top performers like NBA superstar Shaquille O'Neal, former CIA director Michael Hayden, and brilliant thinkers like Dirty Jobs Mike Rowe? Take a minute right now and subscribe to the Art of Charm podcast with me, Jordan Harbinger, and you'll hear how I pull out the secret psychology, life experience, and wisdom that can only be learned from them. You'll hear Shaq talk about how to manage your career and how to know who to trust when everyone's out to get something from you. You'll discover how to think critically from Bill Nye and Neil deGrasse Tyson and even how Tony Hawk's life as a skateboard icon will influence how you think about your career and relationships in a whole new way. This show is for you if you want to outcompete, outperform, and outthink everyone around you. And it's the only place you'll get practical, applicable strategies from every single episode. Since you're all about learning from the absolute best, download and subscribe for free right now and upgrade your brain four times a week at podcastone.com or in the Podcast One app. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. All right, we're back with the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Let's get into it right now. Our interview this week is with Bruce Dickinson of Iron Maiden, and this is courtesy of my radio show on Sirius XM. Check it out. Hope you guys enjoy it. Congratulations. Oh, yes. What it does went, this button do? Yeah. I've, st- I've still got no idea, but yeah, you, you've, you've enjoyed reading the Book of Lies, have you? That's great. You know, there you well, go. Book of Souls, The Last yeah, Maiden Record, no, and yeah. now the, this yeah. be the Book of Lies. Uh, I got to tell you, though, I, uh, I've not yet had the time to read it word for word, page for page, mm-hmm. but I've had a chance to go through it and, and, uh, and get the gist of it and certainly know, as being a lifelong Maiden fan, enough about your story. And uh, I, I thought it was... Uh, a great read. I thought it was funny. You, you've had a great sense of humor about it. And I guess my biggest question to start out about the book is why now? Like, why was this the right time for you to write your story? Well, the, the, the last time I was here, I'd just gotten over this whole, like, throat cancer thing. So I was on the big uh, uh, tour to talk about the, the new album and uh, basically uh, uh, not to be too dark about it to persuade people that I was not checking out, you know. <laughs> um, and uh, so uh, that seemed to me to be a good end point for a book. Not that I'm thinking of ending anything, uh, but it's, you know, the the getting the, the all clear and from the, the whole throat cancer thing struck me as being a good way to end a book and a good way to start the rest of your life. Mm. And 10 years also, people have been asking me to do an autobiography. Um, <clears throat> I know that sports stars write autobiographies when they're 25 and then subsequently when they're 26 and then when they're 27 and then whenever they develop some new life skill or reality show, they write another one. Right. Uh, and I didn't want to do that. I thought that we'll, we'll just do one. Uh, and this kind of provoked it, the, the, the whole thing about uh, you know the, the throat cancer scare 
And I thought, you know, I, I, I should probably get on with this. <laughs> just, yeah, you never know, just in case, you know. Um, so that's what that's why now. You you mentioned when you were when we last talked, which was around the promo for the Book of Souls. We had done a few things together, and I, I admit I was kind of surprised that you were the representative, sort of picked by management and the band to go out there and do mm. the promo for that, mm. considering what you had just come off mm. of the the chemo, which is documented in the book, oh, yeah. and the cancer. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. was that the mentality of it? Was kind of like let's let well, everybody I, I just, know the singer's okay. Yeah, yeah, I, that and uh, you know I just need the air miles, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, 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 do you even collect air miles anymore? Since you actually fly the plane, do you, can you uh, no, earn no, miles? You don't, you don't get air miles for flying the plane. <laughs> you know that's the yeah, yeah. It's it, it unfortunately. Uh, if if I did, then uh, yeah, I I don't know what I'd do with them. All. You can't be upgraded anymore. You're flying the plane. Yeah, there's no, nowhere to go uh, further up. <laughs> no, there's no way to be able. But you get upgraded. And it's no use because, you know, you're at the front and you, you can't even sit back and have a beer, you know. <laughs> so um, the title of the book, What Does This Button Do? Where did that come from? Um, it is um, what people say when they get into a, an airplane cockpit or they uh, get into a flight simulator or whatever. Uh, and the first thing, like just people have never been in one before. They go, oh, what do all these buttons do? You know, and so... You know, pilots always make a joke out of it. They're like, yeah, oh, I don't know. You know, let's see. Mm, what does this button do? And uh, I thought that it was uh, kind of a metaphor for my life because that my uh, that basically I've lived my life by the philosophy of, uh, ooh, I wonder what happens if I do this. Like, I wonder what happens if I leave Iron Maiden. Uh, I don't know, you know, <laughs> um, and... You know, wonder what happens if I join a rock band. Uh, I wonder what happens if I decide to pee in my headmaster's dinner. Uh, you know, so all of those stories. It's it's the in a bizarre way the the book almost looks like there was an intention behind everything, <laughs> but actually it's just it's it's kind of random. Yeah, when I think of you and I think of Maiden in general, I I think of a band that's very sort of private and insulated in terms of sharing a lot of public stories like all good guys all fun guys have had the pleasure of knowing the guys and hanging out and knowing the band since i just found my copy of the number of the beast signed by you and steve when i broke into radio so that's how far back i go when yeah. i remember but but not a band that's ever out there in the gossipy circles a band as big as maiden you could understand showing up on the page sixes of the world or whatever but sort of very private so was there any pushback from anybody within the camp or or even the notorious rod smallwood like hey you know it's not the no, time no, to do no, that no, no, nobody's read it nobody's read it no 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 nobody read it i mean i mean rod rod read through it uh and uh he 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 made some comments, and I went mm, okay. Well, let's just see where we go when we finish the edit process. Uh, and the edit process was, you see, I I I wrote the. I, there's no ghostwriter here, so I wrote this book, and I wrote it longhand on seven on paper on paper with pen a, and with, paper with a, with a with a biro on on paper. Yeah, so I wrote 160 thousand words um, on on paper. And there's about a hundred and five thousand words in there, so we we edited out um, the, the the rest, the forty something thousand words. And the reason we edited them out because my my editor, the the wonderfully named Jack Fogg, uh, with with two G's, so he's like you know uh, doubly obscured obscured. Uh, so, so Jack said, "Look, he said this is a great read, but I want it to read like a novel. I want it to be a real page turner. So when you've got three stories about uh, an airplane, one after the other, we don't need three. We just need one. Right. So, so I, I took it on board. I went, yeah, okay, great. Even though they're good stories. So the, you know, there were some stories about, you know, uh, you know, a couple of drunken nights with here, there, and everywhere, and things, and they were great stories. But he said, look. We've got one story about that, so we don't need another one and another one and another one. I went, yeah, okay, fair point. Because otherwise, at 400 pages, um, the book's a, a thundering good read. And I, I know some people have gone, you know, I, I read it at one sitting. You know, I think that's kind of intrepid, but, but still, you know, it makes the point that it's 
it, it's not like a doorstep or a, a weapon of mass destruction. No, know? but the thing that I loved about it, because that's the challenge for me doing what I do, is sometimes I'm given a book like this two days before I have to interview the person, much like this instance was. And I'm like, oh, geez, I'm not actually going to be able to get through all of this. But, some, but some it of, kept me – I was up till 3.30 saying, well, I got to read about this part. And it, it, you get to the point. Yeah. Some of the, some of the, 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 the chapter headings, I mean, were the, the very last thing we did – there were no chapters in this book. I mean, the whole thing is one long 700 pages of, of handwritten script, which we obviously turned into a, a typewritten script. And, and actually, Whose job was that? Uh, Mary at the office. Uh, Mary, oh, uh, wow. fantastic. Uh, any, anybody who's uh, on the, uh, in the Maiden fan club who's listening to this, bow down and worship Mary Henry at the Maiden office. So she She's, was given handwritten yes, stacks, yes, sheets of paper. Yeah, yeah because... Uh, initially, HarperCollins, obviously the publishers, uh, they said, we'll get this, this stuff translated. I went, oh, okay, who's going to be the lucky person to do that? They said, oh, we, we send it off to India. I mean, you send it to India, which, of course, is where Rod Smallwood is at the moment, you know, getting dysentery. Uh, riding or maybe bicycle, reading riding, a book. Riding bicycles. No, <laughs> no, no, he's not doing that. But, but, no, he's on a charity bike ride at the moment in India. But uh, So they send it to India. I don't know why. I mean, maybe they have some, you know. Uh, but but whatever the the the, the Google Translate version uh, of my handwriting in India is not really suitable for publication. It came back with, oh, it was hilarious. It was malapropisms and everything all over the place. I mean, and some of them were so classic. We we didn't have time, but we were almost tempted to do. Uh, the alternate version of the book uh, <laughs> as translated by the Indians. Um, you know, so uh, uh, supersonic firework became supersonic jacuzzi. Uh, <laughs> and, and, think, and there was like loads of it. So in the end, Mary said, I can read his handwriting, um, which surprised the hell out of me because I can't read my handwriting. But uh, Why did you do it that way? What was I'm a there... terrible typist. I, I, I have... Uh, um, and I didn't have the time to acquire the skills to become a better typist right. by, I mean, I'm two fingers. I mean, Me you know, too. Hunt and peck. But, when, but I also, I can't abide to see spelling mistakes. And, and so I have to correct them. I can't go on. And, and and have spell and I, I hate spell check and Google this and Google that and did you really mean to use that word you know uh, uh, and it's like yes I did if I didn't want to use that word I'd have asked you you schmuck you know yeah don't you automate me you asshole <laughs> you know so so that's why I hand wrote it because you the flow just keeps going and you don't have to stop for spelling mistakes and and interrupt the the, the, the flow. And when did you actually do it? Because Maiden had a pretty full schedule recently. How long ago did you start to set in on this? Uh, did far, you do it on the road? Yeah, the I did. Well, I had to because I started far too late. I mean, I knew I was supposed to do this all months before I actually started doing it. I had a deadline of uh, at the. I think my deadline was the, the this March, the end, the, the, the end of this March, uh, this year, <laughs> and uh, I started writing it in the middle of February. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh! So, so uh, don't tell me you made the deadline. Oh no, no, no! no I knew I was. I knew I was. Gonna, like I knew I was going to risk blow, would be falling no, off. Man. I knew I was going to blow through the deadline. Um, but at the same time, I said, "What's the last possible day I could finish this before uh, you know you have to move the print date?" And, and bless them. I mean, poor old Jack was was sweating bullets. I think, um, but uh, I, I was actually still writing it. Um, during the U.S. tour. I was still finishing it up wow. during the U.S. tour because uh, I, I wrote, I, I ended up writing more than I intended. Initially, I wanted to write a uh, more of a memoir, less of an autobiography. And uh, What would be the difference <clears throat> between those two for people that don't know? Well, an autobiography is a kind of a timeline from, you know, beginning to now or as near as damn it. Um, a memoir, you can kind of pick what you want to talk jump about. Jump around a bit. Jump around a bit and you can shape it sort of how you want. Um, that was a, initially my idea. And as soon as I started writing it, I realized that actually the timeline, it was an autobiography. So why struggle and call it a memoir when it was an autobiography? Which pleased Jack, my editor, no end, because he said, look, We'd really like the autobiography bit to be in there because people understand what they're getting. Right. You know, with a memoir, they're like, uh, what's this then? You know. 
Right. Well, and that's exactly what it does. It starts off in your youth and goes right through and, 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 and covers so much ground. But, you know, again, I go back to the fact that is when I look at Maiden, I mean, you're the first guy in the band to write a, an autobiography and really tell the story. Yeah. So you didn't have any sort of dialogue with anybody in the camp. When did they about doing this? And there were no reservations that, oh, well, I don't know if we should have any. I know this is your story, but mm. your story also has a lot to do with Maiden's yeah, it, story. It does. And you've got to be, uh, you know, you've got to be a bit circumspect about uh, how you deal with other people's lives. Because, you know, I, I, made a ground rule for myself that, uh, you know, I would reveal things about myself because it's my book, um, but I wouldn't reveal things that I thought were inappropriate about other people because mm-hmm. it's not their book. Right. And if they want to reveal things in, sub- in, you know, in their own way, that's up, that's up to them. Uh, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I had uh, loads of people, uh, uh, old acquaintances, uh, uh uh, wives of various shades and you know everything else coming up going am I in the book you know I, I want to see if I'm in the book you know uh, you know uh, I want approval on whether or not I'm in the book or not you know and I was just like nah <gasps> no, that, then, no they're not in it or no you they can't have approval or both well I just I just like well I don't know I, you'd have to wait and see it's like oh there's anything horrible about it and then you know <laughs> and, and I didn't have the heart to tell them that that then they're not in the book because you made a conscious decision <laughs> yeah. where you weren't going to go yeah. in this story yeah yeah because again um you know uh w- you know wives and everything else that just leads down the road towards kind of tittle tattle and you're into sort of like hello magazine world and everything and it it overwhelms what i think are some of the better stories of the book which is the the story about creativity the story the stories about you know upbringing and and how you got put together and and how you ended up doing all these odd oddball things in 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 your life um and again in terms of kids and all the rest of it it's you know i i love my kids but you're not really doing them any favors by dragging them through a book uh it's also kind of not their book I mean, I'm their dad, so they could read the book and go, "Wow, Dad, I never realized you did that." You know, <laughs> were there um, were there any things that you in those pages that you cut out that you wrote that you regret not being in in there that you wish would have been included? Oh, there's some great that uh, not uh, yes, but only because they're funny. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, and and literally, there were things edited out that were only edited out for reasons of. Uh, length, not not because they were kind of inappropriate or like, oh, we can't say that, you know. So for the people that maybe, because this book is out now, people have read oh, yeah. it and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for the people that, uh, and we won't talk more specifically about what is in the book, but is there one thing that comes to mind that's a funny story that you had to cut out that kind of pained you to do so that you could share with the audience? Um, oh, there's, I mean, actually there was, we, we cut out quite a lot of stuff Um about the early years of uh, Samson, for example, because Samson, we were like the bad news. We were like the bad for people news that band, don't know yeah. the band you were in prior to to yeah, joining Iron exactly. Maiden, and that, and that's one of the reasons why it, it got edited out because you know I think people thought, well, you know, there's quite a lot of, of 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 stuff in here about a band that not many people have heard of, but some of the things that we got up to. Uh, were just hilarious. I mean, we were so stupid. I mean, we were the. I mean, it was beyond Spinal Tap. I mean, we for we, people yeah. that don't know Samson, the drummer, went by the name of Thunderstick. Correct. And he wore. Uh, he, I I never even knew this because, correct me if I'm wrong. Samson never toured America, right? Mm-hmm. Samson never toured anywhere outside of the UK. <laughs> but we was, never even got on a ferry and went across the channel. You know, Thunderstick wore while he played sort of like a it, bondage. It was a gimp. It was a gimp mask. Uh, yes. But was what he was ever the, seen without it, or was that sort of a mystique thing? Um, well, you know, if you ever saw him without it, you'd prefer he put it back on. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, I'm, that's being uncharitable to Barry. Uh, oh, no, I've revealed his true name. Everybody knows his, 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 his real name. Uh, he was, uh, um, uh, um, <clears throat> as I've described in the little talks I'm doing and things like that, he, he actually was a, a, a very strange musical amalgam. He absolutely worshipped Kiss. So the whole idea of the mask was all based upon 
the whole kiss thing mm-hmm. of the anonymity and, right. and what have you. And he would paint black crease, grease paint underneath the mask. So you, it, that's all you could see was the black eyes and black lips and stuff. And he also adopted the very strange and rather disturbing um, habit of, of not uttering human speech whilst he was wearing the mask, which made so- sound checks very difficult. He wouldn't speak? He would grunt. Um, so, so, uh, so, I mean, this is just, this is better than Spinal Tap. Spinal Tap never dreamt this stuff up, you know, I mean, this is real. Uh, and, uh, so, uh, he, 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 he would sort of go, oh, um, how's the, how's the bass drum? You know, he go, well, okay, I'll, I'll take that as a yes then, you know. Uh, like the and, gimp in Pulp Fiction. Well, <laughs> yes, but the, the trouble was, was that it was all so badly timed because unfortunately, uh, shortly before he, uh, or shortly after he adopted the mask and everything else, um, there was a, rather unfortunate case of mass murder in the UK in which the mass murderer happened to wear a mask that looked just like oh. his. And she was like, oh, no, really? <laughs> you know, so it became... Oh, that was it. It was, it was a guy... It was called the, he was called the Cambridge Rapist. And he wore a, a, a mask like that. And so his mask, instead of being Thunderstick, it, it became known as the Rapist Mask. And we were like, this is <laughs> not, not great marketing was, for a This band. is not what is intended <laughs> at all. Are you kidding me? And he would say things like, it's not a Rapist Mask. It's different. I said, How is it different? He goes, oh, I've got a little sort of mane on top. He didn't. I'm like... <laughs> I don't think that's quite the point here, you know. Um, but anyway, so. did you did you think? Uh, you know, I found an interesting part in the book was about that transition for you from Samson and sort of uh, moving into Maiden. You had seen Maiden before you joined the band. You guys opened for them, or vice versa? Oh yeah, there was uh, very incestuous tours used to go on back then, uh, where we'd do four or five act bills. Um, and you do like a, you know, 1200, <clears throat> 1200 Cedar or something else like that, or colleges or whatever. And it was billed as being uh, um, the, the heavy metal crusade. You know, and we're not quite sure what you were crusading against, but uh, anyway, it sounded kind of good at the time, uh, I guess. Um, and so there were a, a, a bunch of bands, and we all knew each other, and we were all in the same circuit. And actually, um, Samson's management were involved in in sort of promoting some of these things. So actually, Samson very often ended up headlining, and Maiden ended up supporting them. Um, which I mean, it really should have been the other way around because all these people showed up for Maiden. The place was packed out, and then as soon as Maiden finished, everybody left. Yeah, <laughs> so we 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 headlined to about you know like thirty people. We were like, uh, what's going on here then? You know. Yeah, but but you talk about it, what I found really interesting is that when you would see Maiden, of course, Paul Diano was their singer at the time. You were pretty confident, like in your mind, you said, "I'm going to be the singer in that band." Oh yeah, you had designs on it from the moment you saw that. Uh, yeah, it, it, it was. It was it, it was just blindingly obvious to me that, that the the noises they were making and the the musicality of it and everything else. I was like, I should be singing for those. But guys. did you feel yeah. that there was some disconnect with their singer? Because there are people to this day that still love uh, those records that Paul did with the band. Mm-hmm. But there were also people. Everybody, everybody except Steve Harris. <laughs> <laughs> but there are there are people like I saw the first time I saw Maiden was on the Killers tour with yeah. Paul, and it seemed to me that it, he was coming from a different place in the way he fronted the band, the way he sang. Yeah, so I mean, did I, that I, resonate I, with you at the time? Say, well, I could actually, I should be doing that. No, I mean it wasn't so much a question of you know what what he was doing. Uh, it was a question of what I thought that I could do that, to to add to the whole thing. You know, I mean, I mean, you know, he had that he had a he, he had a, a a style which was kind of know, punk. Yeah. And it was and it and it was unique, which, I, you know, I, I take the point. But there 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 the, there was so much that was in there that was just latent, if you like. Um, and uh, and our, our paths were just sort of intertwined for the next, you know, uh, year and a half. You know, we ended up in in the same studio next door to each other. You know, Samson were doing a record and Maiden were doing Killers at the same time. Clive Burr, 
was the drummer in Samson for about 18 months before he joined Maiden. Mm. So, you know, I mean, everybody knew everybody. We all knew each other. Everybody knew everybody else. You know, we were, you know, we all drinking together and hanging out together and listening to each other's stuff. So everybody was aware of what everybody could, what we could do, what our, you know, our musical possibilities were, I suppose. And then um, whatever happened in, whatever happened with, with, with Maiden and Paul, I, you know, I mean, I don't know. I wasn't in the band, uh, but clearly, it wasn't working out. And uh, so, at, uh, the, I talk about you know Reading Festival when Steve and Rod turned up to look at me. I was in Samson uh, doing my, the second time I'd, we'd done uh, Reading Festival, uh, and it was you know real, really successful. But Samson itself was starting to crumble and sort of implode a little bit. Uh, Paul was much more into the whole blues type thing. More, it was more bluesy, easy, toppy type thing, and I was much more into the whole, the the more big dramatic, uh, uh, metal kind of type songs, um, and uh, amongst other things, I mean, people like A and M Records actually made me a wanted to sign. Samson, but they made it perfectly clear that what they were interested in was was me, not the band. Right, and I was like, well, I'm you know twenty one something years old, and I do not want to be a solo artist. Uh, you know, age twenty one, huh? Nobody's even heard of me. You know, so why would I want to be a solo artist? Right, um, I want to be in a band, um, and I always have wanted to be in a band, even when I left Maiden. The first thing I wanted to do was form a band uh, and and make it work that way. That's how I'm comfortable, and that's what floats my boat. You know, one of the interesting things is the at the time Maiden approached you, and you had that meeting with Rod, where you said, you know, you, you talk about it in the book. Come over here a second. Let's you know, let's yeah. talk for a few seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You 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 from that moment sort of laid down the gauntlet in saying how it's going to be. And and that's a real that was a really interesting thing to me that you had the sort of bravado at the time to say oh, okay you guys want me I know what I can bring to this thing but here's what's going to happen and you're not going to get a guy you're going to just a new guy you're going to be able to roll over on a little bit so, so the way you you came at that I think probably was a smart thing to set that precedent at the very beginning yeah but it was uh, it just comes from uh, an uh, and an, an, a natural amount of self-confidence. And I'm not really sure where that comes from. I think a lot of it comes from probably uh, fear of failure. So you have to... Front- but you talk about your ego in the book and how you control it and the balloon and all that sort of stuff too. Well, that, and, and that comes that comes after, you know, um, a few hundred shows. You think, you know, how, how, do, you, how do you cope with all this? Because some, some, sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. But as you get older, uh, it gets a little bit easier because you've been around the block a few times and you hopefully grow up a little bit but not too much but but to go up to steve and rod when they're talking to you about being the singer and deep down inside you, you but steve wasn't there it was just rod it was just rod but yeah. you okay so you 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 already had your eyes on becoming the singer in this band now you know they're coming at you to kind of check it out and make the offer it's a it's a it's still a sort of ballsy thing at that point to say okay but Here's how it's going to go, as opposed to saying, yes, please take me in Maiden. I know the band's going to blow up. Uh, that well, says a lot, I think. Well, yeah, because I, I was serious about it. You know, I didn't want to uh, – I wasn't joining Maiden because, uh, you know, I wanted a good paycheck. Right. You know, it, it, it was – you know, we, we were going to take on the world and we were going to win. Yeah. You know, and we, we were going to do amazing things. And the only way you do amazing things is by uh, – doing the difficult things and sometimes the difficult things are things that you disagree on and things but you've got to work you've got to work through it and if 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 i mean maiden had a reputation uh amongst musicians as being a revolving door you know uh you know joining iron maiden was uh uh basically uh 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 pretty regarded as being pretty a kind of a poisoned chalice you know oh you got a job with maiden huh you'll be you'll be gone in six months <laughs> you know uh and and they'd had i don't know how many singers they'd had drummers that thunderstick was maiden's drummer at one point <laughs> he lasted one with the show. mask uh, no he lasted one show 
apparently. Steve told me the story. Um, and in actual fact, there was a, a there was a, a, a some legal thing whereby we did a song uh, on Samson called Thunderburst, which was an, an, an intro that we did. And uh, <clears throat> I hadn't heard the Iron Maiden song, Ides of March. And uh, and when I did, I went, this is the same song, you know, basically, you know. And so there was some legal nonsense about the song. And I said, well, you know, uh, you know Mr. 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 Thunderstick, this, this appears to be this. How come you wrote a song that's almost the same song as this Maiden song? And, of course, he was in the band for for, for one show. Mm. So that was, that was the argument. But Steve tells a story of how they were at a... Uh, doing a, a pub show, and uh, they, uh, you know, they, they they were they were playing, and uh, the and Thunderstick went off, and or it wasn't Thunderstick back then, but whatever it was, uh, Barry went off and, and did a, a, a drum solo, and uh, so they all went off, and there's this drum solo going on, and and he stops in the middle of it. And bear in mind, this is a pub in the East End, and you know, so one or two people are down the back, you know having the temerity to talk during his drum solo and drink beer. And he stood up and said, silence and listen to the master. And, <laughs> and I think... Talk about bravado. <laughs> I, and, and I think that was his, you know, that was his ticket to the unemployment line <laughs> at that moment. Uh, but but the... So so Maiden had a reputation and, and in fact, and Steve had a reputation as somebody who didn't suffer fools gladly and, you know... Uh, in, in actual fact, people used to refer to him as the Ayatollah, um, you know, uh, kind of behind his back. And um, anyway, I met Steve and I thought, oh, it doesn't seem much like an Ayatollah to me. You know, it seems perfectly, you know, sensible sort of guy, uh, you know, knows what he wants, um, you know, seems fairly determined. And But that's not... Uh, uh, I don't think that's particularly uh, uh, a hanging offence, is it? You know, and Rod, of course, had a reputation of being a fearsome manager, and he was absolutely, you know, backing up Steve 100% of the way. So there was no way you could, you know, put a wedge between those 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 two individuals. So it's, it was a very, very, very powerful, you know, axis. And so um, when I got offered the job, I went, you know what? Uh, I'm the singer, so I'm should be a pretty important element to this whole thing. I'm kind of creative, so uh, I have no intention of coming on board and then leaving in six months. So you better tell me right now if you want some kind of lapdog just to go and do as he's told, in which case I'll walk because I'm not that person. I assume you're asking me to join because you don't want that person because if we have something where we disagree uh it's going to get better, not worse. Yeah. Uh, and Rod was like, well, well, maybe. You know? And I said, well, I'll take that as a yes then. But I, I still had to go and audition. I mean, I still had to go and show up. Um, but I was really confident that when I did actually open up the pipes, that we'd have a great time. And the first audition, we well, audition, the first rehearsal we had, basically... Paul was still in the band, but he wasn't there. And it was all very kind of secretive and a bit furtive. And 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 it was a bit sad, really, because I felt sorry for them because they were obviously... They were obviously... The morale was obviously really weird because they knew that the singer was going and mm. I think, obviously, things were at a bit of a low ebb. Um, it must have been pretty harsh going on and, and performing, you know, um, like in that sort of situation. So I thought, well... Let's just go and have some fun and just sing sing some tunes and uh we all, you know, jammed and I played the drums for a bit and, you know, Clive played bass for a bit and you know, we, we just we just played, you know, um like musos should do really. Yeah. And we had such a great time. Steve Steve uh it was it before cell phones, you know, it was one of the days where you had to pay phones and put like m money in the slot, you know. So Steve phoned Rod, he said, Yeah, 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 let's do it, you know. Can we get a recording studio this afternoon and let's <laughs> and let's uh, you know let's put him in the studio and see if it all works? And Rod was like, "Hold on, hold on, hold on. Are you really sure about this? Are you really sure about this?" And Steve was like, "Piss off! Just let's just do it now." And Rod said, "No, no, no. Wait, wait, wait till after you've done the Swedish tour or whatever it was. So there's some festivals they had to do." So I went away and I thought, "Well, that seemed to go pretty good." Um, and two weeks later, we went into a recording studio. And um, 
I did four songs that they had live tracks of with with Paul singing on them, and that we just used the backing tracks, uh, and I uh, overdubbed my voice so they could hear it in the studio and be a bit more kind of forensic about it, if you like, uh, which is fair enough. Mm. And and then um, then that was it. We shook hands and went. Well, let's get on with it then. Yeah. Well, listen, I could I could spend. We have about twenty minutes left, and I could spend easily going forward with Maiden because what's really interesting is from there you talk about how quickly some headbutting happened with Steve when you realize there's a, you know interesting stuff about you know moving the wedges around and why I've still is the got base, chips on my teeth you know? why is the bass player out front and you're fighting and he's hitting you and it's like you quickly had to get some sort of boundaries to say hey I'm the singer and I should be out front uh, but again this is all stuff you can read about in Bruce's book which is called what does this button do we don't want to give it all away but from where it goes from there is phenomenal because uh, of course, you you make your first record with Maiden, which is rightfully regarded as one of the greatest records of all time, which is The Number of the Beast. You get to work with one of your heroes in Martin Birch yeah. and, and uh, all those stories about the fact that The Number of the Beast was done so quickly and Martin Birch destroying the console at the end. And it's <laughs> it's trust me, folks, it's all in here. You want to read it. Some other stuff, though, that we'll touch on from the book. Uh, with Bruce Dickinson. we got to hit a break. We'll come back. We'll have a few more minutes left because, again, obviously Maiden is the big point that a lot of people want to know and read about, but it's a much bigger story than that. It's before Maiden. It's time out from Maiden. It's the, coming back to the, Maiden. The, the, the template for the, the book that I looked at here is a book that, you know, obviously there's, there's, there's a huge musical component to it, but music's not the only thing I've done in my life. And there's a lot of great stories about, you know, going to Sarajevo yes. and flying airlines and doing fancy, all, all these things that I've done. And the, the whole idea was a while back there was a, a biography when I was uh, growing up by an actor called David Niven. Mm-hmm. And it was a biography. It's called The Moon's a Balloon. And it was a go-to biography of everybody because it was just a really uplifting romp through somebody's life uh, with great stories. And uh, at the end of it, you just thought, wow, I feel like I've just been sitting, you know, in a pub with this guy. Although in David Niven's case, it would probably be sitting on a yacht in, in the Mediterranean <laughs> drinking champagne. But, you know, it, you, you've just been sitting here in conversation for for all day. you know, yeah. and, and that was the idea uh, of the style in, in, in when I when I wrote the book. It's a great read. You guys are going to love it. We'll come back a few more minutes with Bruce Dickinson here on Trunk Nation on Sirius XM 106 volume. Again, the book is called What Does This Button Do? And it is available everywhere now. A little more with Bruce right after this. This This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey, are you in need of great talent for your business, but you're short on time? Well, you don't have to get lost in a huge stack of resumes to find your perfect hire. You just need the right tools. You need smarter tools. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click. So you can rest easy knowing your job is being seen by the right candidates. Then ZipRecruiter puts its smart matching technology to work, actively notifying qualified candidates about your job within minutes of posting, so you receive the best possible matches. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other hiring sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on the right candidates finding you, it finds them. No wonder 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by growing businesses of all sizes and industries to find out the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right. You heard me right. Free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash trunk, T-R-U-N-K. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash trunk. One more time for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash trunk. Podcast One has crime and mystery with shows like Cold Case Files. Unsure of how his victim was killed, the doctor completes his autopsy with more questions than answers. The Serial Killer Podcast. A little boy, as it turned out, was the kidnapped Billy Gaffney. And crime in sports. He's pulled over in Dallas and found in possession of a crack pipe. Let's just say the lawsuit didn't go anywhere. He didn't win. (laughs) Exclusively on Podcast One and Apple Podcasts. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast.
I would certainly suggest, as I do with music, the actual physical copy. You've got some great photos here in the center. That yeah. uh, I'm sure that was a tough process with all the times you've been photographed uh, to pick yeah. what to include. But there's a surprising lack of photographs from uh, childhood. Yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, I mean, literally, uh, people said, "Oh, you must have loads of photographs when you were a kid." I went, uh, "No," you know. So, you know, I went around and I found a couple of old passport photographs and stuff, and uh, they, you know, they're pretty scary looking things. You know, I like the. Uh, I'm looking at the photo page now, which shows you your your fashion choices throughout your career. Oh yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah, with yeah, the with yeah. the caption, all in the best possible taste. Yeah, absolutely. Was that always a ch- was that a challenge for you throughout your career to figure out to have so- was there such thing as a Bruce Dickinson image that you tried to cultivate at all, or was it? Uh, no, it was just a, it was more or less a sort of an unmitigated disaster zone, really. You know? <laughs> uh, I think it was. Uh, I liken it to. Um, uh, walking blindfold through a charity shop, you know, uh, <laughs> you know that's 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 my chic. That's as that's as far as I get in terms of being fashionable, you know, and it's as close as I ever want to be. <laughs> so, was there anybody, you know, lead singer, major global rock band? Was there anybody in your ear about that saying, "Hey, maybe we should get you to work with somebody to wear this or wear that," or is there, or no, you would have just brushed them maiden, off anyway? Maiden, you're going to be kidding me. <laughs> no, we'd run we'd run a mile from from that sort of thing. No. Uh, you talk about uh, playing in Sarajevo when you were out of Maiden on your yeah. your solo tour, yeah. and that's a big part of the book as well. That, uh, in, in a nutshell, why at the time did you opt to go to a war zone and play a show? Well, somebody asked me. <laughs> it was that simple. <laughs> simple as that. And I said, "Would you like to come to Sarajevo and, and do a show?" And I went, "Oh, uh, yeah, that's kind of wow. That's uh, uh, isn't there a war?" And, and the guy went, well, yeah, but you'd be guests at the UN and it would make everybody feel real real good. And I went, oh, okay. I'll talk to the guys. So it spoke to the guys and said, you know, would you like to go Sarajevo? We've got this offer. And they said, isn't, isn't there a war? I went, yeah, I understand there is. But, you know, um, apparently we'd all go in helicopters and we'd have little blue helmets and it would all be fixed up and it would all be organized. And, and they went, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, okay. So we turned up and we, we got there and there were no blue helmets and there were no helicopters and it wasn't organized and we went anyway. And uh, the the story that's in the book is uh, is quite an interesting story, uh, quite moving in, in many ways and all the more interesting because really nobody knew that we were doing it. Uh, but 20 years after, um, a, a local um, uh, film director has made a documentary about it. And he's gone back and found footage of the show. He's found wow. all the kids who were there at the show, aged sort of 12, 13, 14 years old. And he's interviewed all these uh, guys and girls now and gone, what did that show mean to you and and how has it changed your life? Now, how has it reflected? And, they, and it's heart-stopping footage. I mean, uh, you know, people talking about how they got there, you know, how people shot at them to get there, how they were dodging snipers uh, to get to the show. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's quite it's quite extraordinary what went on. And that's going to be released in February next year. Well, look forward to seeing that yeah. for sure. Uh, again, jumping around here because limited time and so much to cover from Bruce's book. You've got the stuff about your love of aviation and becoming a pilot as you, as you are today. Um, a couple of things that jumped out to me that were interesting as a fan, the the uh, the approach was made to Vincent Price to do the voiceover on oh, yeah. the number of the yes. beast. Mr. Price doesn't get out of bed for less than ten thousand dollars. That was the yeah, response, yeah, yeah, yeah. which you say rightfully that a lot of people actually think that still is Vincent Price. Yeah, the guy you use. They they, they think it's, I mean, it's a, it's an actor who used to read the ghost story on a radio station uh, in London, and uh, and I said, well, why don't we use this guy? He sounds kind of like Vincent Price. <laughs> And and he was like three hundred bucks, you know. And we're talking about the the intro voice to yeah. the song, the number of the Welcome beast. To you, o Earth and Sea. Yeah, and he was brilliant. The guy came in, and I was there when he was doing it. He did like ten takes, and every single one was gold, you know. And and Martin just said, "That's thank you very much, you know. Here's, here's three hundred bucks." <laughs> so, yeah. And early on, you were dubbed. You were given the name of the air raid siren. And the origins of how you got that name. Oh are in yeah, the book no, as well. it was it was like an early. I mean, obviously we didn't we, we didn't get you didn't get trolled 
uh, like you get trolled now, you know, uh, like, uh, you know, on a, on a professional basis, um, but in websites and things, because there weren't any. Uh, but you did get letters of complaint, which was the equivalent to a troll. Um, and um, and so uh, this guy uh, saw me doing the show at the Rainbow Theatre when I first joined Maiden, and we did five warm-up shows, um, culminating in one in London. And he wrote a letter saying... Uh, I hate this new singer. It's like listening to all my favourite songs being played through an air raid siren. Uh, and so uh, Rod went, brilliant, the human <laughs> air raid siren. And, uh, you know, uh, and, and that was how he invented the, uh, the, the, the name, you know. And again, just jumping around, there's, a, there, there's this, if you're a metal fan, there's this, elusive thing that we've heard about for years of the three tremors and you talk about that in the book yeah because the which i found really fascinating the original third person beside yourself and halford ronnie, was ronnie james Dio, yeah. which would have been yeah, amazing ronnie. ronnie and 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 i was like i was like i am not gonna do this without ronnie and rod was like oh i don't want to use ronnie he's too old i said what do you mean too old are you kidding me i mean I said i said he's a legend he said no i said we should use jeff tate I said, I don't want to use Jeff Tate. And then we had a meeting with Jeff Tate. And then I said, no, it's not going to work. And so that was and, and that. was that. But also, uh, I mean, we had promoters um, kind of, I, I, could, I, could see, I could see the money in their eyes, you know, thinking, oh, this would be great. We could, we could sell this like every which way all over the place as a package. And I went, yeah, you could, but what are we actually going to do? Right. You know, there's going to be three of us on stage. What are we going to do that's actually different, that's really cool? And the, the song uh, on the, t- the solo album, The Tyranny of Souls, right. the song Tyranny of Souls was the only song that I wrote for that project, which was designed for three voices. And, uh, and the demo of it, I actually uh, did almost like impressions of 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 of, 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 of a, a Rob version, uh, the Jeff Tate bit, and and my bit, and and split them up. And when we go into the big chorus of Tyranny of Souls, obviously all three of us would be singing together like a big choir. Uh, and and doing that song, I thought, yeah, that would kind of work. Uh, but I need another twelve songs like that to do a whole performance because right. otherwise it, it, it's just. It's a kind of it's just a novelty thing. You can't do things just because of the novelty value. You should do things because musically they're real. You know, I've got sixty seconds, and this is really important because the the book ends with your cancer and your battle yeah. and your victory over yeah. cancer. One thing that it, the book ends at this point. Anybody that saw Maiden on the most recent tours on, tour on Book of Souls, um, phenomenal shows, phenomenal performances by you. In particular, I mean, vocally, the way you moved on stage, there was a concern about that from Maiden fans with what you had just went through and the battle yeah. you'd waged. <laughs> how did you feel and how do you feel now? Is your prognosis good? Uh, yeah, I mean, I go back uh, um, uh, every uh, – as you get further and further away from being given the, you know, the, 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 the green light and it's all, all good, uh, you get checked less and less, you know. So uh, come next year, I think it's I, – I go back every kind of – Six months, you know, uh, unless I want to go for a beer with my oncologist, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, which uh, actually he deserves more than a beer. I was going to yeah, say, probably yeah. not a bad thing yeah, to do yeah, to keep, good keep him close. He's a good guy. You yeah. Know? All right. Thanks to Bruce Dickinson for being my guest on this week's Eddie Trunk podcast. Remember, new episodes every Thursday, podcastone.com and iTunes are the place to stream them or download them totally free. Appreciate you guys all around the world listening and making this a top 10 podcast on iTunes all the time. I really do appreciate all the support. I do hear from you guys, and I, uh, I'm sorry if I can't reply to every single email, but know that I check them all out. If you want to email me, it's eddie at eddietrunk.com. And again, the social media at eddietrunk, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and the website with all my appearances. Merch store is there, too. Some great new merch designs are coming soon. Hope you guys get a chance to check them out. And, uh, and have a look at some, uh, some new stuff that's going to be developed soon for merch. Um, and, but there's some great stuff there already, and the holidays are close, so order now and, uh, and take advantage of some sales we're going to be doing in the merch store. Again, you'll find it on eddietrunk.com. Sign copies of my books if you want to buy them directly from me. You hit the books tab. I'll get those out to you as well. And, uh, again, my appearances are there, music news updated daily, all on the website. Hey, you guys have a great week. I'll see you next Thursday for another all-new edition of the Eddie Trunk Podcast.
podcast. Thank you. Dubrow. And I'm Dr. Terry Dubrow. Every Friday, check out my podcast, Heather Dubrow's World. We also have the Dr. and Mrs. Guinea Pig Show every Tuesday. So don't forget iTunes and Podcast One. Tune in to Dr. and Mrs. Guinea Pig on Tuesdays and Heather Dubrow's World every Friday. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.